If you have your Bibles, you can start turning to Psalm chapter 78. And before we do, it is so good to see a house on Father's Day filled with so many men and their families. So dads, we didn't get to recognize you uh, all the way in the first part of the service. So if you are a dad and you're proud of it and your, pa- and your family will let you stand up, stand right where you are so we can celebrate you this morning. Well done, men. God bless you for being an example on this day. When you could have been at the lake or the golf course, say, Pastor, don't remind me. No, we're good to be here modeling. That's what we're going to see from Psalm 78, this spiritual role that you play in the life of your family. Dads, it's an awesome responsibility. You actually become a physical picture that you are to paint to your family of who the Heavenly Father is, and that's an awesome, fearsome responsibility. In the book of Psalm uh, 78, we're going to see some truths for fathers today, but it isn't just for fathers. So ladies, you got to stay awake as well, all right? Uh, This will actually speak to you as you see who your heavenly father is, all the blessings from God's word, but also how you can pray for your father. Now, you're also, uh, dad's allowed to dress however you wanted to dress. Your kids or family are supposed to dress like you today. Uh, my dad didn't wear black all the time, but he introduced me to Johnny Cash growing up, and so I'm the man in black today. I went from a ring of fire to then walking the line and now preaching uh, the gospel of how great thou art. And so some, we have a contest going on. I think uh, Brother Sean will fill you in more about that today. Those who are in a contest for the most dressed like their daddy, Brenda Cover, where's Brenda Cover? Brenda's out there somewhere, I think. Brenda, they may not. Oh, there she is in the very back, right there. Uh, She's leading the way. She has set the bar. That is her daddy's actual post office uniform that she wore to church today. (laughs) Kenneth in the house, even though he's with the Lord this morning. Well done. Set the bar high. That's awesome. All right. So let's get back to God's Word. This psalm has so much in it. Next week, we're going to return back to it and look at the middle part of Psalm 78. But we're going to look at the bookends today because of Father's Day. And again, let it speak to the hearts of the fathers in this room. But may it also speak to every one of our hearts who has a heavenly father who also wants to be your father. All right? So let's jump in. Take a look at verse 1. This was written by a guy named Asaph who we'll talk about in a moment. He was a poet, a song leader. And look at what he sings in this song. He says, listen, my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will tell riddles of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. This song that we're about to dig into, these insights and these truths, come from one who had a godly heritage in his life. A father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, and who knows how far back, who built into his life a spiritual legacy and a spiritual heritage. Fathers, I would encourage you that you would take some notes today and take note of the things that should be true in our lives as we pass on our legacy to our children. Yes, we can tell them stories of old. We can talk to them about how we used to get to school, and we can talk about the snow, and we can talk about milking the cows, and we can talk about all the things of this world, but do we talk to our kids about the things that really matter? Asaph said, I'm going to pass on to you what was passed down to me. I'm going to tell you about the the, the stories. And these weren't just stories of when they used to live in Egypt. It's stories of God the Heavenly Father 
who demonstrated his love, his grace, and his power on their behalf from generation to generation. Asaph, as I told you, was a descendant of Gershon, the son of Levi. Levi was the one that was selected to be uh, the leader of his tribe that would become the Levites, the priests to all of Israel. And so there was this godly heart in Levi, his great-great-grandfather. It was in his heart that it would be passed on from generation to generation all the way to Asaph, where Asaph would be chosen by King David to be one who would organize and lead out all of the heavenly choir there in the tabernacle. He was a man who knew how to worship God, and he got it from his daddy who got it from his daddy who got it from his daddy. And that had been passed on from generation to generation. Men, what are we passing on to our kids? What will we leave to our grandkids? I hope it's more than some kind of estate. I hope it's more than material things. I hope we could leave back to our children what Asaph's grandparents left to him and his daddy as well. Look at verse 4. He said, we will not conceal these from our children, but we will tell the generations to come the praises of the Lord, his power and his wonderful works that he has done. Asaph said, I'm grateful that my daddy and my grandpa and my great-grandpa continued to pass on the truths of God's word and who God was, that I was able to hear not just stories of their history, but the story of God's history through their lives. I got to hear stories, and I got to hear my grandfather and my dad talk about how God ripped open the Red Sea. I got to hear how God brought us deliverance from the bondage of Egypt, and I got to see their testimonies, their scars, yes, but their stories of faith. And now that it's my generation, and now that it's my turn, I will not stop telling my children as well. I will be there to be faithful to pass on the faith. Verse 5, for he established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they were to teach them to their children. It was commanded unto them, not just, uh, not just out of an issue of rules and regulations did they pass on these stories, but God told them, God instructed them, you want your family to be blessed, pass on the faith. If you just pass on ideas, if you just pass on material things, you'll have spoiled, rotten brats. But if you will share about my power if you will walk with me and allow me to be your Lord, and you pass that on from generation to generation, your children will be blessed. Verse 6. So that the generations to come would know the children yet to be born, that they would arise and tell them to their children, and so that they would put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but comply with his commandments we look in on this, we find, dads, we should be present. Like I said, I'm thrilled that you modeled even today. You were willing to be present in the house of the Lord. You were willing to put God first above all things. Even though this is supposed to be your day, you're still first making it his day. It's a great picture. We are called to be present. But let me say this, that when you are present with your family, when you are in the room, that you're not distracted by work, you're not distracted by the things of the world, that you're actually present. And when you are present, Asaph said, not only should you be present, but you should be pointing them to the past, pointing them to the things God has done. 
when they're sitting around and when they're gathered around, that we don't just do uh, the grill and we don't just do some time together and sip on some lemonade, but that we actually take time. And, and I would challenge every man to do that today, to take some time and to sit down with your family and talk about where God has been real to you in the days gone by, that as you are present, that you speak and point to the things of the past and that you talk about God's story through your story. Not just when you experienced the power of God at a revival when you were a kid and that was it. Is that all God's done in your life? Praise God he has. Praise God he did save us. Praise God he did give us a new life in Christ. But what else has God done along the way? Give God the glory by sharing your story. Look at verse 8. You see, not all fathers pass on the faith. Not all fathers leave a legacy that is lasting for eternity, verse 8, and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart, whose spirit was not faithful to God. All of a sudden, Asaph reminds us it's not a guarantee that we leave a godly legacy. We can actually leave a seed of rebellion. We can actually rebel against the God of our fathers and grandparents, and we can go our own path, our own way, blazing our own trail, and actually be men in black and leave a dark legacy. Fathers, I'm not sure. I know all of us here would be able to share there's not a perfect daddy in the room, but you can serve a perfect heavenly father. You can allow God to get the glory as you submit to him, and it's never too late to keep pointing your children and grandchildren to the story of who God is. God created the first man in the garden, and he commanded him to be fruitful and to multiply. You find that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28. Now, this wasn't a command for fathers just to birth kids into this world. Some of you got that multiply down. We, I, I saw some family pictures going on out there, and we had to move the stanchions back just to get the whole family in. Sweet beans, fruitful multiply. I'm all for it. But there are lots of daddies who've birthed kids in this world who haven't been daddies. This wasn't a command just to populate the earth. It was a command to be fruitful in that multiplying, to bear fruit, glorious fruit, to, to bring glory in God uh, bring glory to God through your testimony, your legacy, and your family tree. Are we bringing the glory to God that we should be? James Dobson wrote a book, Bringing Up Boys. He told of a true story that happened in one of our federal prisons. They paired up. They were doing some social reengineering within the, the prisons, trying to rehabilitate the hearts of those hardened criminals. Well, on one particular Mother's Day, they partnered with a famous greeting card company and offered free cards to their mothers. It was so popular, the, the line stretched way out the, uh, the, the, the gathering area there. They couldn't get all the cards. As a matter of fact, they ran out of cards and had to order more. It was such a touching and powerful connection between those inmates and reconnecting back home that they thought, well, we better do this for Father's Day as well. Except on Father's Day, when they offered the cards, not one inmate showed up to pick one up. They couldn't figure out why. Well, why in the world would it be such a drastic difference? Now, moms, before you get too proud here, they found out some pretty, pretty deep truths. They began to investigate and ask some of the men, hey, don't you want one of these cards? And 
And as they began to poll their audience, the inmates all said, nah, either, either it's not important, my dad wouldn't care anyway, or un- unfortunately and sadly, many of them said, you know what, I don't even know who my daddy is. Is it any wonder that their life crumbled, that their life went astray, because there wasn't a father there pointing them to the way and the heavenly father? Gentlemen, I would encourage you, no matter what the past has had, where you've been or where you wish you'd been, that you, that you leave here today saying, from this day on, from this day on, I'm going to take the principles of these words from God's word, and I'm going to continue to build a legacy of faith. God's command to be fruitful and to multiply was a divine design for us to populate this earth, not with just children, but with seeds of righteousness to spread the glory of God from generation to generation. So what does that look like? Drop down now to the end. Asaph says, make sure you take time. Be present and point them to what God has done in the past. Be sure that you're investing in your family and that you're there. And now at the end of this song, he gives us a picture of how to do that. Take a look at it, verse 70. He brings up David as a picture. He said that he also chose his servant David, took him from the sheepfolds, from the care of the ewes, and with nursing lambs he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. He begins to use an example, David. He reminds us that there was a legacy that was passed on in David, not just to his family, but also to his community and to his nation. And you too have that kind of impact, dads. You too have that kind of opportunity to speak that into each generation. So what does a godly man look like? Well, when Israel went looking for their king, you remember they didn't pick David. They picked a guy named Saul. And King Saul became their very first king. They chose Saul. God chose David. Saul looked like all other kings. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He was skilled in the ways of war. And he qualified on the resume for what an earthly king looked like. But David submitted to the Lord God as his king. There was a big difference. Saul claimed to have a king. He claimed to worship God. But David submitted his whole heart to the Lord. Saul was a man after his own throne. David was a man after God's own heart. Saul looked to his natural strength for victory, his charisma and his abilities. And David looked to the Lord God to be his champion. You remember when he came against Goliath? And you remember Saul uh, was looking for a warrior to represent Team Israel against Team Philistines. There was Goliath taunting them, and, 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 and nobody would step out. Nobody would represent Israel. Here comes a little shepherd boy, a little scrawny dude, stepping right into it. Say, man, I'll fight this guy. He's not going to mock my God. And so Saul said, well, God, I guess this is all I got. And so he calls for the armor. Come, we've got to get this guy, we've got to get him suited up for battle thinking like a natural king, thinking like a natural man. They brought out all the, and, and it was, the shield was bigger than David. He couldn't even pick up the spear. And he just pushed it aside and he says, that's not where I get my victory. I don't need the armor. I need the Lord God Almighty. And as he came against that giant, 
He didn't come in arrogance. He didn't come flexing his biceps. He came declaring the name of the Lord because that's who he looked to every day of his life. That's the difference between a godly man and a good man. A good man tries to be good. A good man does the best he can. But a godly man realizes, I have nothing of value but a submitted life to God who is all-powerful, who will deliver me from the hands of my enemy. And so David becomes a picture, becomes a picture of a godly person, a godly father, a godly leader. Take a look at it, verse 72. Here's the secret sauce. I'd be taking some notes here, gentlemen. Wives, don't be taking notes for your gentlemen in your life. Let them figure it out. But listen in, because this is true for all of us. Because everyone, moms and dads, children, grandchildren, we all have an impact on other people's lives. How do you do that well? How do you do that differently from King Saul and be like King David? Look at the secret sauce, verse 72. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them with his skillful hands. This verse is a powerful verse. It's a verse, it's a key verse for our church here at PCBC. When entrusting and recruiting for roles of leadership in the life of our church, every person that we pray over and every person we invite into those roles of leadership, we pass through these filters, these three things. Do they have a shepherd's heart? Do they have integrity of heart? And do they have skillful hands? This verse is a verse that I've looked to for nearly 20 years now when I was first introduced to it. Now, it wasn't just put in the Bible 20 years ago. I just never saw it. It was about 20 years ago I was first introduced to verse 72. And man, did it hit me like a ton of bricks. It became a life verse of accountability for me each and every day. It's a verse that I wish I'd been looking to 35 years ago when on December the 22nd, 1986, I asked Cammie to marry me, and we said I do in a, in a, in a worship service there in Emmanuel Baptist Church in Enid. It's a verse that I wish I would have been able to look to and, and, and stay in that fresh accountability 31 years ago when our firstborn Houston came into this world. But now it's a verse I meditate on day and night, just like we learned last Sunday. Not a verse I'm familiar with, not a verse that I know is in Scripture, but it's a verse I meditate on every day letting it be a lamp to my feet and letting it be uh, boundaries to keep me from getting into the ditches. This one verse provides that holy accountability that we all need. And so let's dig in and let's look at the three things that were so special about David. Number one is this. He had a shepherd's heart. David was now king. He didn't lord over the people. Dads, let me say this to you. Just because you have that position head of the household, that doesn't mean you lord over. We are to model like David did. When he became king of Israel, like all other kings in the world that lorded over their people, it says about David, no, David led differently. David shepherded the people he was responsible for. He wasn't puffed up like a king. He was a servant leader. Just like a shepherd was one of the lowliest things you could do in their culture, but somebody had to do it, that's what David did growing up. And when he was called out of the sheepfold into the palace, it didn't change his heart. It didn't go to his head. He didn't get an ego. He didn't get a power trip and said, oh, man, I've been elevated in position. Now all of you better serve the king. No, the king 
serve the people. That's what I love about David is it didn't matter what was brought his way, no matter the victories, the success, being a giant killer, having songs sung about him, it wasn't about him. He was always serving others as a servant shepherd. It would have been easy for David to get excited about that new role. It would have been very easy for him to take advantage of his position. He was the most important man in all of Israel. But his heart never changed. And while he had a higher elevated position, it only brought more responsibility and more accountability. And dads, let me say this. I've said it to my children many times. There have been times I've had to step in as the head of the house. There's been times I've had to set my children down. There have been times I've done very unpopular things in the presence of my children. They thought that I was just being too cruel, too hard, keeping them in a box, not letting them do what other kids were doing. And I had to remind them, know this, you're not my kids, you're his kids. You're a blessing sent from heaven into our life and I just simply have a new position I have a new responsibility I have a new accountability and oh by the way it's not going to be you who stands before the Lord and gives an account for what I have done in stewarding the hearts of my children that's on me and that is a humbling reminder of the blessedness of being able to impact the next generations dads let's do it like a shepherd a servant leader so how do you lead others how do you lead at work how do you lead with your wife how do you lead with your children I'd recommend that you lead like David like a shepherd now let's make a let's make a point here about David as we raise David up to be an example let's also know that he failed miserably at times he failed at home he didn't fail just a wife, wives. He had multiple. Now, don't get into all that. That's a rabbit trail for another sermon. <laughs> but he failed at home. He failed his children. So much so that one of his own sons wanted him dead so that he could have the throne. There was all kinds of other issues. So he wasn't a perfect leader. He wasn't a perfect husband. He wasn't a perfect parent. And yet, at the same time, he was pursuing God with all of his heart. The majority of the time so dads I know you failed I know I have failed miserably and don't let the enemy beat you up with that David wouldn't surrender to his past failures he would continue to press on to be a man after God's own heart so how do you shepherd how do you shepherd other people whether it's at work at home or in his church how do you do that very quickly I'm gonna put it on the screen we don't have time to get to all of it, but Psalm 23 tells us what a shepherd does. And so we find David explaining a shepherd's heart. As he models who the Heavenly Father is, we as fathers too are able to model that as servant leaders, as shepherds. First thing a shepherd does, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. That speaks of relationship. That speaks of relationship. It isn't just birthing somebody in this world. It's having a relationship with that family. It's, it's pouring into them. It's by being present, as we said earlier. And if we're not careful, we can spend so much time trying to provide for our children, but not enough time with our children. That if we're not careful, we can be guilty of spending too much time at work to provide for our kids when we could be using that time to relate with our kids. 
more than anything else, our kids want our face more than they want our hand outs. Now, I know that's all you hear from them. Give me, give me, give me. But I promise you, what they really want is your presence. It's a big difference from the presence. Number two, a shepherd. The Bible says here that because the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. That speaks of provision. That God meets every need we have, and dads, we're to do that as well. Not, this isn't just speaking of physical needs. We think that blessing them with all these things and with all of our hard work is blessing them, and, and in reality, really what we need to provide is our actual presence. And in that, our kids will not be wanting so much if we're relating more. They won't be wanting to be away from us. They'll be desiring to be with us. Isn't that interesting when they're young, how they come running to us all the time? And the older they get, the more they see us at work, more than at home, and they seem to go running other places. Maybe we need to be more present. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That speaks of nourishing. Not artificial turf. Not buying your way into a relationship with your kids, but it's actually being there on their turf. It's not just providing a roof over their heads. But he says he takes me to green pastures. That was where they got their nourishment. That's where they were fed. That's where, that's where they were taken care of. And the shepherd would have to lead them from pastures that they had overgrazed where there was no nourishment, and they would take them to where they could be fed. If you surrender your kids to this world and that's all they're eating on is what this world has to give, it's artificial turf. And don't you dare just leave it to mama to do all the nursing. Dad should be feeding the kids as well. We should be taking them to green pastures and they should see us eating from those pastures as well. And they ought to see that alive in us as we nourish their souls. Look at the next part. He leads me beside the still waters. That does not say he leads me to still water. Quit telling me that that's what that verse says. It's not what it says. He leads me to still waters. What, what, what are still waters? That still waters was, that's that place of refreshing. The shepherd would lead his sheep. Yes, they would nourish from the, from the green pastures, but then they would need living water. And he would take them to to safe places where there were still waters, not the rushing rivers that could destroy a sheep and bring them in and drown them, but he would lead them to the living water. I pray that my kids would see in me a thirst for God that would cause a thirst in them, that they would see me more thirsty for the things that are found in God's Word and a relationship with God then they see the other things. And I picked up a lot of stuff from my dad. I picked up a love for, as I said earlier, Johnny Cash and a lot of oldies and goldies and the lake and golf and sports. And a lot of those things, I picked those things up. But I want to give more than that to my kids too. Yeah, they need to have those times and those recreational moments and those family memories. But let's make sure they're getting the living water. He restores my soul. That speaks of leading. That word restore here actually means to change direction. A sheep that was maybe uh, strained from the flock, uh, that continued to be rebellious, that continued to wander off, needed a shepherd to help bring them back into the fold. And you know that many times a shepherd would have to break a leg. Now, I'm not saying break any bones on your kids, but I am saying you better get engaged. You better get involved. And there's times that daddy has to step in and help them change direction. 
restoring them into the right path. That's what's being spoken of here. That's talking about spiritual leadership. Your little sheep have living souls. Their minds need to be led back to God. Their person needs to be directed in the way, not just some way, but the way. That's what a shepherd does. He leads me in the path of righteousness. That's guidance. Dads, we have daily opportunities to help our children and to point them in the path that they should go by the path we walk. They're watching. They're seeing how we walk. They do look at us. Whether you think they're seeing it or not, where do they see you walking? Your example is guidance. Your words are guidance. Make sure both match. What else does a shepherd do? In Psalm 23, it says it's for his namesake. Well, that speaks of purpose. Remember our purpose is to bear fruit, fruit that multiplies from generation to generation. And then it goes on to say that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, well, that's reality. Our kids... They're walking in valleys. They're walking through all kinds of temptations and struggles. Dad, make sure you're there to shepherd them through even the valleys. It's great to show up at the mountaintops at graduation. It's great to be there and celebrate the victories and those mountaintop experiences. But are we as engaged in the valleys of their life? The shepherd is. I will fear no evil. That speaks of protection. The psalmist said, even though I know I'm going to go through valleys and I know that the enemy wants to destroy me, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, I fear no evil. You know why? Because i got a shepherd. i got a heavenly father who takes care of me. Well, guess what? Earthly fathers, be that protector as well. Be there and let them know that you will walk through them even when they come into struggles, even when they trip up in the valley. Don't turn your back on the sheep. Be there to take them through the valley. For thou art with me. That's what the psalmist said. No matter where I go, God is with me. I pray that's true. Dads, that we will be present for our family at all times. For thy rod and thy staff, they beat me. Is that what it says? Maybe occasionally. No. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. Yeah, discipline's a part of it. Make sure you're doing it well. Make sure you're doing it as a godly shepherd, not as an earthly father who is letting them reap what they have really sown. Be careful in it. Bring godly discipline. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That speaks of providing hope that even though the enemy is surrounding us and the enemy is trying, we can model to our kids, we have nothing to fear. God is our champion and we can do all things through Christ. That brings hope to the next generation. Thou anointest my head with oil. That speaks of blessing. My cup runneth over. I pray our kids can say that. I pray our kids can say, you know what? My daddy, he isn't perfect. He even dresses funny. Look around. You can see how, how their daddies dress. But you know what? My cup runneth over, man. My daddy has poured his life into me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That speaks of compassion. Dads, look at those words. Goodness, mercy. Bring that with you. Don't you dare just be king of the house. Don't you dare just be there and throw down the gauntlet. You better do it because... The king says, dad says, no, bring goodness, bring mercy. They'll want to follow you. That's compassion. And look at the result. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
That's worship. Asaph was a choir director in the house of the Lord. He continued on the generational faith because it had been modeled at home, that had been modeled in the home before that and the home before that, and it had been passed down beautifully. And he was dwelling in the house of the Lord as a spiritual leader himself. But look at this. I won't just dwell in the house of the Lord once a week. He says, I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That speaks of a commitment without end. So dads, there's some shepherding clues. There's some things to look at today. And maybe if you fall short in one of those categories, that's a time for the Heavenly Father to do the same in your life to help return your attitude to the right place. There's a second thing about David quickly we got to see. He was a man of integrity. That word integrity means true all the way through, not just on the outside, not just in public, but all the way down in the core of your being. It's an issue of the heart. As I said earlier, King Saul had a heart for power. King David had a heart for God. There's a big difference. I want you to understand, Satan will attack your fatherhood at the point of integrity, the point of compromise. David, a man after God's own heart, let down his guard and his integrity. And unfortunately, betrayed his accountability to his God, to his wife, and to his kids. Guard your heart, the Bible says. And thirdly, we're out of time. And all God's men said, he guided them with skillful hands. We spend most of our hours, all of our life, men, working on the skill of these hands. The careers we take on, being productive, providing for our families. And if we look back, we'll invest the majority of our life in temporal skills of these hands. I would challenge you as I was challenged when I first went in the ministry. I was saved at a Jay Strack crusade. Jay Strack would become a mentor in my life years later. Jay Strack is an evangelist that traveled all over the country, now resides out of Orlando, Florida. He's on a council that consults to the nation of Israel. He's, doing all, he's written all kinds of books. He's been a phenomenal man who was a druggie, who was on the streets, who had learning disabilities, had flunked out of school and turned it all around because he had been transformed by the grace of God became a mentor to me and to several others. And while we were at one of his leadership retreats, he invested in us. He said, guys, you will fail the Lord, you will fail yourself, and you will fail your families if all you do is get skillful at being a better preacher, a better leader in God's house. And while that is important, and while you should be as skilled as you can be, and while you should be here at this leadership retreat learning how to be a better spiritual leader, you better make sure in your library you have as much that's honing your heart to be a better leader in your homes as you are in God's house. That you have as much uh, voice speaking into your life and skill to be a better daddy and a better parent. Have balance. If you go in my library today, you'll see sections on spiritual leadership. You'll also see uh, a whole section about uh, growing in your relationship with your spouse, and you'll see another section about parenting. Because I was taught to be skillful all the way down to the core of your heart. Let's pray about these things with your heads bowed. We ran out of time, but but God's word, his perfect holy word challenges us to be shepherds, to have integrity of heart and skill of hands. And it could be today your heart, you're here today because you have a heart for your daddy. You wanted to bless your dad on Father's Day, and God bless you for that, but, but the Heavenly Father had a bigger picture for you today. He wanted to fill your empty heart. 
And it could be that you're here today. Maybe you even grew up in this church. Maybe, maybe it's been a while since you've been back to a church. That's not the issue. The issue is where are you with your heavenly father? You say, I don't have a heavenly father. I know there's a Jesus. I know there's a God, but I don't have a heavenly father. I'm not a child of God. Well, today that could change. Instead of this being your Father's Day, maybe today it could be his Father's Day as he births you into the kingdom. You see, the Bible says you must be born a second time. I'm glad you were born the first time. That was because of your daddy. But if you're going to spend eternity in heaven with your heavenly Father, he has to be your spiritual daddy. You must be born again. If that's never happened for you today, this very moment, in this very place, call out on God's love. Say, God... I'm a sinner. And God, I don't deserve your love. But Lord, today, I know you so love me, I receive you into my heart as my heavenly Father, my Lord, my Savior. The Bible says today, he's just now become your daddy. We're going to have a time of invitation in a moment, and I would encourage you to come and profess that I have a heavenly Father. Make this the Lord's Father's Day. How awesome would that be? First, I'm going to ask with everybody's head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask for every father just to stand silently and reverently right where you are. I'm not going to bring you down the aisle. You're safe, dads. But just if you're a daddy, stand. And I just want to speak a blessing over you. I want to pray over you. That holy responsibility, that holy accountability. And in this moment, first, speaking into your hearts, right now, would you just humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, thank you for the privilege you've given me. And God, I pray that like David, I could be a shepherd, not a king. That I could be a man of integrity. God, I pray that over every man here. I pray a hedge of protection. Wherever the enemy is trying to rob them of a holy integrity, God, I pray you bring conviction. I pray you bring repentance. And I pray, Lord, that as we confess our sin, that you would do what you always do. You'll cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. Dad, is there something you need to confess to the Lord right now? Just do it. Just, just get rid of it. And then ask the Lord. Say, Lord, through the power of you, Holy Spirit, give me skill to be a better husband, a better daddy, a better boss, a better co-worker. That I might be fruitful in all the earth, not just through bearing children, but, but through the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Lord, I want to honor you like David. Father, do that in the hearts of these men. I pray that today would be a blessing, not just because it's Father's Day, but because they look to you, the Heavenly Father. We pray that over our fathers now in Jesus' name.